Welcome to Zichu Daf Simani Mamabai Abram Goldhari and today Mosekhus Ksubas Daf Samachtes. The sixth parak Matias Isha. The Zichu Mosekhus Ksubas program has been generously sponsored as a schus for Hachazachas Torah. So the three times we're going to focus on number one, Amemar said, Bas Yoreshes Havya. A daughter is an inheritor of her father's estate. Rashi explains that the one tenth of his estate that was enacted as a dowry renders her an inheritor. After Rabashi clarifies that according to Amemar, this means that her brothers would not be able to oust her from the land of the estate by offering her cash, nor by offering her one pot of land instead of 10% from each parcel of land. Ravashi's position is stated that Bas Balas Havya, a daughter is only a creditor, a Balas Chov, with regard to collecting her one tenth. Rashi explains that this means that she can be forced to take the cash or a specific plot of land. After Amemar retracted his position, the Quran asks if the daughter is considered a Baal's chov of her father or of her brothers. The nafkamina is, whether she can collect average land without an oath or inferior land with an oath. Well, she explains that if she's a Baal's chov of her father, then she would be required to swear to the heirs that she has not already collected the debt and would only receive ziboris, inferior land. The Gemara brings a proof that she is a Baal's chov of her brothers and therefore she collects average land without an oath. Pointing to the next mission of states, Hamashi's Mosla Bito, if one deposits money with a trustee for his daughter in order to buy her a field for Nixley Malug or as a dowry, Yomer's Neman Bali Alai, and she says, I trust my husband, which what she explains means that she wants him to give the money directly to her husband and he'll buy a field for her when she wants to. The trustee should do as he was instructed to do. Rush explains that he's have to buy the field, the mitzvah kaim mace, since it's a mitzvah to fulfill the instructions of the deceased. Rabbi Yossi says, he wrote, If we're only a field and she wanted to sell it, it would be sold from this moment. Rush explains that since there's no benefit in buying the field because she could sell it immediately, they might as well listen to her. And the mission concludes that we only listen to her if she's an adult. But in the case of a katana, the acts of a katana are meaningless. And pointing with you, the Gemara relates to the great sage and contemporary of Rabbi Yochan, which we learned about back in Tanis Daf Chafalaf Amad Alaf, went and balanced himself on the mast of a sail and said, If there's anyone who comes and tells me a brisa, taught me academy of Rechia and Rabosia, and I'm unable to drive it from a Mishnah, I will fall from this mast and drown in the sea. A certain man quoted a brisa that said that if one says to a trustee, Tanu Shekel Abanai Bishabas, give a shekel to my sons each week, instead of giving them their inheritance all at once, but it was appropriate to give them a sella, two shekels, because food prices increased, we give them a sella. But if he said, give them only a shekel, even though it's not enough for what they need, we give them only a shekel. And if he said, if they die without any heirs before the entire estate is gone, let others inherit whatever remains, then no matter how the father instructed the trustee, we give them only a shekel. Ilpa responded, who is the ton of this b'risa? It's Rabbi Meru, says in our Mishnah, Mitzvah Kaim, Dibre'emes. It's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the deceased. So once again, the three points are number one. Amemar said, Bas Yoreshes Havya. A daughter is an inheritor of her father's estate. Rashi explains that the one-tenth of his estate that was enacted as a dowry renders her an inheritor. After Rabashi clarifies that according to Amemar, this means that her brothers would not be able to oust her from the land of the estate by offering her cash, nor by offering her one pot of land instead of 10% from each parcel of land. Ravashi's position is stated that Bas Balas Chov Havya. A daughter is only a creditor, a Balas Chov, with regard to collecting her one-tenth. Rashi explains that this means that she can be forced to take the cash or a specific plot of land. 
After Amir retracted his position, the Gemara asks if the daughter is considered a Baal's chov of her father or of her brothers. The nafkamina is, whether she can collect average land without an oath or inferior land with an oath. But she explains that if she's a Baal's chov of her father, then she would be required to swear to the heirs that she has not already collected the debt and would only receive ziboris, inferior land. The Gemara brings a proof that she is a Baal's chov of her brothers and therefore she collects average land without an oath. Pointing to the next mission states, Hamashi's Mazlabito, if one deposits money with a trustee for his daughter in order to buy her a field for Nixi Malug or as a dowry, Yomer's Neman Bali Alai, and she says, I trust my husband, which what she explains means that she wants him to give the money directly to her husband and he'll buy a field for her when she wants to. The trustee should do as he was instructed to do. Rush explains that he's have to buy the field, the mitzvah kaim divriyameis, since it's a mitzvah to fulfill the instructions of the deceased. Yossi says, he wrote, If we're only a field and she wanted to sell it, it would be sold from this moment. Rush explains that since there's no benefit in buying the field because she could sell it immediately, they might as well listen to her. And the mission concludes that we only listen to her if she's an adult. But in the case of a katana, the acts of a katana are meaningless. And pointing with you, the Gemara relates to the great sage and contemporary of Rabbi Yochanan, which we learned about back in Tanis Daf Chaf Aleph went and balanced himself on the mast of a sail and said, If there's anyone who comes and tells me a brisa, taught in the academy of Rebbe and Raboshia, and I'm unable to drive it from a Mishnah, I will fall from this mast and drown in the sea. A certain man quoted a brisa that said that if one says to a trustee, Tenu shekel abanai b'shabuz, give a shekel to my sons each week, instead of giving them their inheritance all at once, but it was appropriate to give them a sella, two shekels, because food prices increase, we give them a sella. But if he said, give them only a shekel, even though it's not enough for what they need, we give them only a shekel. And if he said, if they die without any heirs before the entire estate is gone, let others inherit whatever remains, then no matter how the father instructed the trustee, we give them only a shekel. Ilpa responded, who's the ton of this brisa? It's Rabbi Meru, says in our Mishnah, mitzvah kaim It's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the deceased. All right, so now we go to our Simadav Samach test, and this one was suggested to us by Mordechai Golombek from Basaic, New Jersey. He suggests that Samach test is soot, and we often use a chimney sweep in the simon. So here goes. The daughter of the deceased chimney sweep, who came to her brothers as a balas chov to collect her one-tenth of land with the chimney, tried to have her trustee give her cash instead of a field because she trusted her husband until a rabbi balancing on a tall chimney shouted not to since mitzvah kaim divrei ames. Once again, it's a motion. The daughter of the deceased chimney sweep, chimney sweep, that must be more endav samach tes, soot. The daughter of the deceased chimney sweep who came to her brothers as a balas chov to collect her one-tenth of land with the chimney, which reminds us, Ravashi holds bas balas chov havya. A daughter is only a balas chov with regard to collecting her one-tenth. Rashi explains that this means that she can be forced to take the cash or a specific pot of land. The Gemara asks if the daughter is considered a balas chov of her father or of her brothers. The nafkamina is whether she can collect Benoni's land without a shvua or Zibor's land with a shvua. Well, she explains that if she's a Baal's chov of her father, then she would be required to swear to her the heirs that she's not already collected the debt and would only receive Ziboris. The Gemara brings a proof that she is a Baal's chov of her brothers and therefore she collects Benonis without a shvua. So, the daughter of the deceased chimney sweep who came to her brothers as a Baal's chov to collect her one-tenth with the chimney tried to have her trustee give her cash instead of a field because she trusted her husband, which reminds us it's a malchokas when one deposits money with the trustee for his daughter in order to buy her a field for her nixie maluga as a dowry. 
And she says, I trust my husband, which she explains means that she wants him to give the money directly to her husband and he'll buy a field for her when she wants to. Do we say that the trustee must follow the father's instructions since mitzvah kaim dibrei mace? It's a mitzvah to listen to the instructions of the deceased. Or do we listen to her since she could sell the field immediately anyway? So the daughter of the deceased chimney sweep who came to her brothers as a balas chov to collect her one-tenth of land with the chimney tried to have her trustee give her cash instead of a field because she trusted her husband until a rabbi balancing on a tall chimney shouted not to since mitzvah kaim dibrei mace, which reminds us the Gemara relates that the great sage Ilfa, a contemporary of Rabbi Yochanan, went and balanced himself on the mass of a cell and said, If there's anyone who comes and tells me a Bryce had taught in the Academy of Rechim Rabbi and I'm unable to derive it from a Mishnah, I will fall from this mass and drown in the sea. A certain man quoted a Bryce and Ilfa responded, Who's the ton of this Bryce? It's Rabbi Meir who says in our Mishnah, Mitzvah Kaim, Divrei Mace. It's a mitzvah to fulfill the words of the deceased. So once again, the daughter of the deceased chimney sweep who came to her brothers as a balas chov to collect her one-tenth of land with the chimney tried to have her trustee give her cash instead of a field because she trusted her husband until a rabbi balancing on a tall chimney shouted not to since mitzvah kaim divrei mace. All right, now it's time for four blabat chazar. Daf samachay. So the similar daf samachay relates to set sheep and we use a shepherd. So here goes. The drunk shepherdess, shepherdess, that must be more daf samachay. Set sheep. The drunk shepherdess who drank four cups of wine, which reminds us, we learn from a drush from Hanna that a husband does not give his wife a stipend for wines, and a bride was brought to Todd. That one cup of wine is good for a woman, too, is a disgrace. After three cups, she verbally requests marital relations from her husband. If she drinks four cups, she solicits even a donkey in the marketplace and is in particular. Rav has said that they taught this bride so only with regard to a woman whose husband is not with her. So the drunk shepherdess who drank four cups of wine put on two mountain shoes that didn't match from the pairs she received with the regal, which reminds us wives who live in mountainous areas are given three pairs of shoes each year and they should be given to them on the regalim so they should have simcha with them. So the drunk shepherdess who drank four cups of wine put on two mountain shoes that didn't match from the pairs she received with the regalim and called her shepherd husband to tell him she plans to eat with him. Friday night, which reminds us the mission state that he gives her each week a silver moth for her needs and she eats with them Friday night. The Gemara asks what the meaning is of she eats with them and Rabbi Nachman says, Ochel is mamash, it literally means eating, whereas Rabashi says, Tashmish, it refers to marital relations. Daf Samachvav, so the similar Daf Samachvav is a tailor in sewing. So here goes. The tailor, tailor, that must mean we're on Daf Samachvav, sewing. The tailor fitting a new suit on a man who paid for it with the two parts boches and magam he received from his wife's injury, which reminds us, Rabbi Yudim and Misera said regarding the boches and magam payments for a wife who was injured by another, so when the injury is concealed, two parts of the payment are hers and one part of the payment goes to her husband. When the injury is exposed, two parts are his and one is hers. Rashi explains that a defect in the wife's appearance causes him embarrassment and also makes her repulsive in his eyes. Ravina asked Ravashi, if one humiliated a pauper from a wealthy family where the entire family suffers disgrace, would one have to pay restitution for boches to the entire family too? Ravashi answered there regarding the pauper from the wealthy family, he's not part of their bodies, but here the wife is legally considered his goof, his body. So the tailor fitting a new suit on a man who paid for it with the two parts boches and begum he received from his wife's injury told the customer to stop complaining that he had to commit to repay six denarim for the four his wife brought in. Which reminds us when a couple brings in cash with her dowry the chassan has to commit to repaying an increase of a half. But she explains that the reason for the increase is that cash is readily used for doing business and earning a profit. The Gemara explains why the mission repeated this concept when she brings in a large amount or a small amount of cash. 
So the tailor fitting a new suit on a man who paid for it with the two parts boches and pagam he received from his wife's injury told the customer to stop complaining that he had to commit to repay six denarii for the four his wife brought in and pointed to the daughter of a former wealthy client outside collecting barley kernels among the donkeys belonging to an Arab, which reminds us of the story of Rabbi Yochum and Zakeh's encounter with the daughter of Nachdim and Ben-Gurion collecting barley kernels after her father had lost all his wealth, and Rabbi Yochum and Zakeh's weeping and saying, Ashrechem Yisrael, fortunate Yisrael, b'zman she'osim ratzon shal makom enko uma v'lashon shalatiz behem, when they do Hashem's ratzon, no nation or tongue can rule over them, b'zman she'enosim ratzon shal makom mosim biyad uma shafala, but when they do not do Hashem's ratzon, he gives them over to the hands of the lowly nation, and not into the hands of the lowly nation itself, but in the hands of the animals of a lowly nation. Daf Samach Zayin. So the simmer Daf Samach Zayin is a sizzling barbecue. So here goes. The orphanage barbecue barbecue, that must mean more Daf Samach Zayin, sizzling barbecue. The orphanage barbecue to raise funds to marry off orphan girls, then orphan boys, which reminds us, it was taught in Nebraska, if an orphan boy and orphan girl come before the Gabbai Stock to be supported, we first provide for the orphan girl, because it's the way for a man to go around begging from door to door, but not the way for a woman. And if an orphan boy and orphan girl come individually for Stock to get married, we first marry off the girl, for the bush of a woman is greater than the bush of a man. We also learn about what we provide for a Yasum to help him get married. So the orphanage barbecue to raise funds to marry off orphan girls, then orphan boys, featured horse rides with the poor with people dressed as slaves running before them, which reminds us, we learn from the Pasuk, Asher Yachzer Lo, whatever is lacking to him, that even if an Ani from a wealthy family is lacking a horse to ride upon and an Evan to run before him, you must provide for him. They said about Hila Azakin that one time he couldn't find an Evan to run before the Ani, so he himself ran before him for three mealing. So the orphanage barbecue to raise funds to marry off orphan girls, then orphan boys, featured horse rides for the poor with people dressed as slaves running before them, and an inspirational show about a generous couple who chose to jump into an oven instead of embarrassing someone in public. Which reminds us, the Gemara relates the Misa of Marukva and his wife who ran away from an ani they were secretly supporting and how they jumped into a hot furnace to conceal their identities in order to save him from embarrassment. Dav Samaches, so the similar Dav Samaches is Chach. So here goes. When the wealthy schach dealer schach, that must be learned off samaches. When the wealthy schach dealer who would dress up as an ani to collect from the unsuspecting died, which reminds us, Rabbi Lazar said, Bob will remind, come on and show gratitude to the swindlers who pretend to be anim to collect staka. For if not for them, we'd be sinning daily. Rashi explains that we would be sinning for ignoring the needs of the poor. But now that there are swindlers, we have an excuse for distrusting them. So when the wealthy Schachti who would dress up as an Ani to collect from the unsuspecting died, his family debated what he would have wanted to give his daughter as a dowry, which reminds us, we've been focused how we determine what to give an orphan girl from her father's estate as a dowry. Does she get what her first sister got, or do we consider changes in the father's financial status, or do we try to assess what the father would have liked to give? So when the wealthy Schachti who would dress up as an Ani to collect from the unsuspecting died. His family debated what he would wanted to give his daughter as a dowry, when all of a sudden someone revealed that at the time of his death, he said that his daughter should not be provided a dowry from his estate. Which reminds us, Rabuna said in the name of Rabbi, Parnasse Enekatanaiksuba, an orphan's right to a dowry is not the same as a right from the Tanaiksuba, such as a right to sustenance. The Gemara says that this is in line with what was taught in Abraisa, that if a father said at the time of his death that his daughter should not be sustained by his estate, we do not listen to him. But if he says his daughter should not be provided with a dowry from his estate, we listen to him because the right to a dowry is not the same as the right from the Tanaiksuba.
All right, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which deputy of the mice of Maruk and his wife jumping into a furnace to conceal their identity from an ani and save him from embarrassment? That's on Duff. Good. Number two. Which stuff do you learn that Ilfa was able to identify the ton of a brisa as Rabbi Meru holds mitzvah l'kayim divrayam mace? That's on Dav. Samachtas. Good. Number three. Which stuff do you learn we have to be thankful for the swindlers who dress up as a neem to collect staka? That's on Dav. Samachtas. Good. Number four. Which stuff do you learn that Hilla once ran before an ani riding on a horse? That's on Dav. Good number five. Which stuff you have if a trustee should listen to a daughter who says, Give me the cash for I trust my husband? That's on Duff. Good number six. Which stuff you learn that the dowry is not like the Tanai Ksuba? For if the father says not to provide a dowry for his daughter, we listen to him. That's on Duff. Good number seven. Which stuff you learn that Rabbi Yudabim holds that a husband gets partial payment of his wife's Boshas Magam payment, depending on where the injury was. That's on Duff. Good number eight. Which stuff do we have a Bryce that details what happens to a woman when she drinks too much wine? That's on Duff. Good number nine. Which stuff do we learn that a daughter is considered the Balaschova of her brothers and can collect from Benoni's land without a Shavua? That's on Duff. Good. And number 10. Which of the one a chasen commits to pay an increase of a half for the cash his call brings in with her dowry? That's on Duff. Excellent. That concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Ron Goldham Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.